Food is about people and places and moments in time. This is a Chef Demoni Snapshot with your host, Graham McLennan. Welcome back to Chef Demoni. It is time for another quick snapshot episode. This one is really fun. I got to connect with an old friend of mine, Chef Thompson Tran. Longtime listeners, you will remember Chef from episode 9 of the show, aptly named Old Friends. Thompson and I first met years and years ago at Bishop's Restaurant in Vancouver. That was during the years I was volunteering as a stage. Thompson and I cooked together, and over the years he has helped me with charity culinary work. I've learned a whole lot from him, and since he's moved to Ontario now, it was even more special to catch up with him this week. About that move, after cooking in some of BC's top restaurants, Thompson and his wife decided that they needed to change their work-life experience. And for them, that meant starting a business called Wooden Boat Food Company, making this delicious Vietnamese dipping sauce, Nuc Chum. I really recommend you check it out. But now, Wooden Boat is so much more. They still make Nuc Chum, of course, but they're also putting up some beautiful dishes. Think Vietnamese food, think fusion food, think wood-fired pizza. Thompson's got a lot going on, and it's really resonating with his customers in the Kitchener-Waterloo area of Ontario. You'll hear about some of those customers today. Chef has actually worked out the percentage of locals who visit him regularly. It's a small number, but it's the right number. These are enthusiastic people who keep coming back for more because... A, the food is delicious, and having had chef's food, I know that to be the case. But B, they know about Thompson's commitments to animal welfare, to ethically produced meat, and to sustainability. On the topic of meat, chef and I get into the joys of eating vegetarian food much of the time, and then really high-grading your meat when you do choose to have it. We also talk about carbs. Why do we see so many pizza shops popping up, and so many donut shops? Well, carbs have got some advantages to them if you're operating a restaurant. We talk about that today. We also dive into what's becoming a perennial topic here on Chef Demoni, wages and cooks leaving the industry. Even though wages are higher now than they've been in recent years, substantial numbers of cooks are still heading for the exits. People are still leaving. Why is it that cooks are not paid like other trades, like other professions? And we round out the episode today by talking about what Chef is cooking these days, and you do not want to miss that. One recipe I am determined to try here on the West Coast, at least until I can get to Ontario and sample Chef's creation myself, this is fish sauce caramel. Sounds incredible. All right, let's get to it. Here is my snapshot interview with Chef Thompson Tran. Chef Thompson Tran, what is the latest? Tell us the, the absolute latest here in summer 2021 with uh, Wooden Boat Food, with your culinary enterprise, and, and with the whole dining scene in Kitchener-Waterloo generally. What's going on? Uh, I mean, we're all sighing. we got a sigh of relief, my friend. You know, the, the, the end is near. So, you know, things are opening up. Uh, as we expected with, you know, everybody getting their second dose of vaccine. Um, there, I mean, there's a lot of energy, you know, vibrancy going around. However, that being said, KW, if anybody knows, it's not a tourist attraction. It's not a place that people dive to in the summer. So what happens here is that a lot of people leave, even with COVID, right? Uh, and Ontario is very much um, like cottage, cottage country. So a lot of people have cottages outside of the main city. So we're seeing this. <laughs> a little dwindling over the summer. Okay. Well. Um, but that's kind of what's going on in, in, in general. But I mean, uh, with the Wooden Boat Food Company, we're lucky because we have the same clientele that's been with us for the last three, four years. 
doesn't matter. You know, most of them are, are, are kind of middle class, hardworking people, you know, but also see the really big, big scene and the importance of like sustainability. You know, that's that's really important, like localism, uh, the local economy. So, you know, we have a very, very dedicated clientele base, which is one tenth of one percent of the whole population here. Wow. But you you have connected with those people and those are the ones who, yeah, who are making the difference to your business. You know what? I was just posting on Instagram and I've talked to some other chefs and a farmer here in Gibson's recently about the uh, this whole notion of ethically produced food of heritage breed meats. I know that's really important to you. Could you comment a little bit on that, maybe both from your supplier side and from your customer side? Really what made me think of it was your comment, these are hardworking middle class people. And as you and I know, it's not cheap to eat and uh, procure meat that's been raised properly. So how is that going for uh, for your business and for your customers? So, I mean, with, with COVID, you know, we've, we've basically, what, what I keep saying is it's diversification without compromise. So we've been diversifying our menu to make sure that we have more people coming so that people don't get bored of our food. Uh, but we're still not compromising in the fact we're still sustainable. We're still saran wrap free. We're still doing as much local, locally sourced, free range or pasture range chicken, pork. So because of that, the same clientele base stick with us. So that's really important. You're not compromising in quality. And uh, most importantly, the stuff that people came to know you for. So that's what I would say. The cost is more expensive. So what we've seen is we've, let's say, instead of giving somebody 200 grams of protein, you know, we're taking down to 150. Uh, that little bit does make a difference. Again, it's, it's quality over quantity. And that really, I think you're going to agree because all the places that you've staged or worked at, it's the same idea. It's, it's just a little bit less, but it's just really high quality. Just so, so much better. A, a good friend of mine here, his wife is vegetarian. His kids are not, he is not, but he for convenience sake, he cooks, he does all the cooking and he cooks uh, vegetarian food 80, 90% of the time. And he said, actually, even as a meat eater, he really loves it because when they do have meat, they have the great stuff. It's so good. Like the good stuff is really, really good. It's, it's again, as you know, it's, it's like simply salt, pepper, a little bit of sear on it. And then the technique, like technique's just important too. And, and one thing that a lot of people will also find, you know, Rob Belcham uh, has always done is from most details, he takes the whole hog. Uh, we're still breaking whole pigs. So we will take the whole pig, uh, pasture-raised. The, the cost is a little bit higher, but we still grind it ourselves, make our own patties. Uh, we braise our own shoulders. We do everything ourselves. So yes, labor cost is high, but I can offset that by other ways. So Be a little more creative. And as you say, with no compromise. Correct. And, and I'll be honest, too, we, we've really kind of moved over and offered. So wood-fired pizzas, higher margin product, excellent product. And we looked at, you know, here's the market. Let's expand the market so everybody eats pizza. Uh, our pizzas are really, really high quality. They're, they're cooked in a wood-fired oven. And so that balances that expensive product that's worth buying and the other stuff that's a little bit higher margin, like, you know, wheat and flour and all that stuff. So, yeah. Right. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I, I always comment to people who uh, who are outside the industry, people will remark, wow, I, I see a lot of donut shops and I see a lot of, you know, I see a, there's pizza shops everywhere. And I say, well, that's because carbs have a really good food cost profile to them, right? Food cost profile, shelf stability. <laughs> shelf life. <laughs> I mean, but we're also looking at like Canada alone. I mean, we are a massive producer of pulses, wheat, 
you know, all the other grains like rye, barley. I mean, you, we are producers. I mean, canola oil, even though canola oil went from $21 to like $34, 20 liters. But again, you know, we're looking at the Canadian economy. They're not all sustainably produced. I mean, agriculture is is high intense, right? It's, it's high intense in terms of its, um, its uh, carbon footprint. So, you know, do what we can. That's all we can do. Absolutely. What's going on, Chef, with the demand for cooks in your region? Everywhere I look, seemingly around the world, and this is something that Rob Belcham uh, has explored a lot recently or commented on a lot recently, that this was utterly predictable that we weren't going to have enough cooks around because it's just the way the industry works. What are you seeing? I, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll agree 100%. You know, Robert's been in the industry forever. And, you know, we can only do so much. And the the restaurants that treat their employees well won't have a problem if they price their market value at, a, at a, an appropriate, you know, marker where you can afford to pay your cooks, afford to pay your rent, all your fixed costs, then you'll be okay. So what's happening right now, of course, is that cooks are leaving. I mean, in droves, and I would also say probably servers in some degree. So I mean, we're what we're finding here: starting rate, starting rate is between twenty and twenty-four bucks an hour. Starting. Starting. Wow. That, that is seriously different even from a couple of years ago. Eh? Yeah. So a friend of mine uh, is a chef at a golf course and he, he's been offering people $25 an hour, $26 an hour. Can't find anybody. So it, it's, it's not because of money. It's not the money for now. It, it's, it's literally the shortage of cooks. And just because every, with, those, with those wages, people are getting the jobs they want. And we just don't, is it that we just don't have enough trained people? Yeah, I mean. Um, willing, willing to work in the industry. Yeah, I mean, our industry, we're a, a profession, right? A profession of highly trained cooks. and But we, we don't get paid like electricians and contractors and plumbers. We don't get paid the 75 to to $100 an hour. And that is the main issue. And of course, we all know it's costly to feed people. It sure is. Yeah, it's costly. One of, one of my friends in Vegas, where, uh, as you know, I love to spend a lot of time, <clears throat> we won't comment on the environmental sustainability, although there is interesting stuff going on there too. But he always makes the point, look, don't price out, don't comment on a meal being expensive based on the food cost, and certainly not on what you think you could put this together for at home. You're paying for an experience, right? Yes, you're paying for food, but it's so much more than that in a, uh, in a good restaurant. Yeah, it's not just whether, whether that restaurant's high end, low end, hole in the wall, fine dining, whatever it is, you, you're going the good ones at every level give a, a complete good experience. Yeah. And, you know, because we, we're not dining in, um, so we don't have servers. So the best that I can do is make sure that my food is amazing and that my other side of it, which is the, the human humanistic relationship that I build is really important. So that's why we're OK. Yeah, it's not called the food industry. It's called the food and hospitality industry. So, so that's incredibly important. And of course, perceived value is more than just the food. And I think that's that's the biggest issue. It costs us so much to make one plate of food. It costs so much. And labor cost is what people don't see. What do you see? We've seen some changes, obviously, with COVID, with the pandemic. What do you see that isn't going back? How has the pandemic changed this industry for the long term? Let's knock on wood that we're getting toward the end of, uh, of this pandemic. You know, I think mom and pops are, I mean, here's the thing, like the massive, I think the massive menus are going to shrink. They're going to get a little bit tighter because of inventory costs, because of labor and man hours, the lack of skilled labors. I think that's a good thing. Like I think, short, you know, making a menu smaller, tighter, 
fresher. I also think that there's going to be a lot more collaboration, so shared kitchens. I've actually got a uh, another restaurant here called Knife and Pesto, and they specialize in Laotian food, sushi, and poke box. So, yeah, it, it's it's a wow. Lot but you know, they they get our customers, and we get their customers. The rent is half the price. Uh, we also can buy inventory in a slightly larger amount, so our costs are a little bit lower. So I think that's another trend: shared kitchens, collaborations. We're going to see better pay. Uh, we have to see better pay. If that means me as a business owner, I'm going to see less dividends. I'm going to see less dividends. I want to keep the best staff for myself. So, and and one way is to make sure that there are uh, my my employees are cared for. Honestly, honestly. Well, and you you've been in this industry for the, for a long time, and and I know you're looking to stay in it for the long run. So that just makes sense, right? Like that's the sustainability of your of your future business. I think. Yeah, it is, and I mean, I pay I pay much higher than a living wage. Again, I have I say keep it small, keep it all. You know, the larger you are, the more expenses you have, and the less control you have as well in terms of quality, sustainability, staffing. And I am in the long haul. Uh, I'm looking down the road to expand here um, to maybe double, you know, maybe triple the staff. But again, it's, it's you know, we're not looking to be massive. Uh, we'd rather keep it nice and tight. I like that. Okay, Chef, my last question. What are you cooking? I know you're cooking a lot of things, but pick one or two favorites. What are you cooking summer 2021? I mulled this over, man. I was just like, <laughs> you know what? I retreated from the idea of like Vietnamese inspired food. I'm still doing Vietnamese inspired food. So, uh, technically, you could call it fusion, but I really gravitated towards diversification again, like I said, but in like Laotian food because of these guys here, they're really influencing me to change uh, a little bit of what I'm doing, including like Thai and Malaysian as well. You know, Justin Chung from uh, Potluck, uh, Hawker's Potluck, ah, what's it? Potluck Eatery, that's what it's called. Potluck Eatery, okay. Yeah. And he does, again, like a lot of the Southeast Asians, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So that's number one. And then number two, I really um, gravitated back to the dishes that I grew up with. So uh, really hard to find dishes like fish fish sauce caramel, stewed pork, baluplak, which is shaking beef. It's hard to find. There's a couple of places doing it. And also like beer, like beer chicken. People don't even know about the beer chicken dish in Vietnam. It's like super popular. So I moved. What, what is it? It's, um, it's a braised. So you make the chicken stock with an old hen. You take that and you add, <laughs> of all things, pilsner. Beer, uh, the cheaper the beer, the better. Uh, in- okay. Yeah, and you add seasonings and, you know, a couple other spices. And then you serve it with vermicelli, a whole host of uh, fresh veggies, um, a little bit of fermented shrimp paste if you want. But, again, it's very traditional, hard to find. So I'm moving towards that this summer. And as fall comes around, as it gets colder, uh, we're going to find ourselves getting back into um, really, really rich, rich foods um, that you would find in the south of Vietnam. Okay. Can you can you give us an example? What it, rich in what way? Oh, like uh, so. Besides, for example, the caramel dish. Um, yep. So if uh, I'll, I'll do, for example, warming spices. So a lot of anise, a lot of cinnamon, a lot of clove. Um, so we will, and that kind because Vietnamese people essentially are Chinese that you know broke away. Um, right. So so we'll do stewed uh, ribs with those spices. Uh, we will add a touch of coconut and a touch of cream. And I'll braise that for like hours and I'll add smoke to it as well. Uh, and that's, wow. served, that's served with sticky rice um, if you want or just your standard uh, jasmine rice. So, Wow. Wow. And notwithstanding how hot it is here this afternoon on the coast, that's, that's <laughs> making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. And, 
and of course, this summer, you know, you were asking about summer. I mean, we've got Ontario is a massive growing, you know, growing province. So there's there's a lot of we'll we'll do like introduce salad rolls and all that kind of stuff again. Her her right. four her four dishes. Keep it a little bit cooler. Okay, before I let you go, can you tell us more about the fish sauce caramel? How does how does so two questions? How does that happen? And two. Where should I be? Where can I source good fish sauce? This is something I've been thinking about recently as I've been using it in salads. I mean, besides buying the chum from us. So- well, yeah, well, of course, of course. But yeah. but if I want the if I want just the the bare bones yeah. fish sauce, uh, I mean, there's there's brands that have made themselves known around the world, like, you know, the um, Golden Boy. There's a squid version. There's also, of course, Red Boat. Any of those will do. So they, they all have different applications. Red Boat, you want to, it's pure fish sauce. So there's not added water, sugar, anything. That's great for dipping. Like just a little bit of dipping. Okay. Use that. And then cooking is all the other cheaper stuff. Got it. Okay. The fish caramel is just three ingredients, fish sauce, sugar, and coconut water. And then you can add other stuff, but that's like your base. So you make a caramel with oil, sugar, brown it, deglaze with fish sauce, add coconut water, and you just reduce and you add your meat. And that's it. Man, okay. Well, since I'm not getting to Kitchener-Waterloo anytime soon, I think I'm going to have to try that at home for now. <laughs> anytime, buddy, anytime. Chef, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to be on this snapshot. It's great to catch up. It's great to see you again. Enjoy the rest of the summer, and, and we'll be in touch again. All right, you too, my friend. Uh, say hi to everybody in Vancouver. Chefs, I miss you guys. We'll see you soon. Come back to the West Coast, my friend, if only to visit. It's been too long. We'll get the band back together. But seriously, thank you again for taking the time to be on the show. I really appreciate it. And as always, thank you for being here, too. I appreciate you choosing to spend some time with Chef Demoni. If you're enjoying the show, please tell a food-loving friend about it. And please do take a few minutes to leave a written review and a star rating for Chef Demoni, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. As always, I love to hear from you, so please feel free to get in touch with me directly. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's at Cheftimony. On LinkedIn, you can find me under my name, Graham McLennan. And you can also send me an email to graham at cheftimony.com. It would be wonderful to hear from you. If you've got a guest idea, a topic suggestion, please do get in touch. Okay. That is all for this week. I will be back next week. I will be back with a full episode, even though I said that last week, but we just had to get this timely snapshot in this week. Do come back. I will see you next Friday, right here on Chef Timoney.